You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this unfiltered episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And I don't know why I necessarily call it unfiltered. And usually it's because I start to get fired up and I let some some swear words slip. So, and I, I'm, I'm kind of lazy, so I don't edit any of that out. So just a heads up, parents, if you're driving down the road, I've marked this episode explicit. There will more than likely be some F-bombs and some S-bombs and some other bombs that are coming your way. So just a heads up. A, you can educate your children on words not to say, or you can be the kind of parent that I probably am and and uh, just let it fly and then tell them, don't ever say that, those words. Daddy can and mommy can, but you can't. And then uh, when the brothers and sisters start to fight, then I hear them in the basement yell, yeah, so-and-so said the F word or so-and-so, and then it makes me feel like a shitty parent. And, uh, you know, it's just an endless cycle of chaos. Any- <laughs> so there's that. Anyway, I'm stepping into Friday like Ric Flair. Woo! I'm fired up because I finally got uh, a list of things done. I'm starting to get, shift into full, full blown out prep for the upcoming season. Man, we're talking tags. We're talking um, summer prep, camera stands. Um, I lost a property. Uh, we're talking about out of state hunts. We're talking about um, my expectations for the upcoming season. You're going to get all that in today's episode. It's going to be uh, quick and to the point, though. But um, but man, uh, I'm I'm starting to get fired up. I got I got some velvet pictures coming in. Nothing of shooter caliber yet, but we'll talk about that. 
Before we get into today's episode, though, I do want to talk about, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about tethered wasp hunt stand and vortex, right? I put I've been putting out about three episodes a week. So every week you hear me talk about tethered and wasp and hunt stand and vortex. And I'm going to kind of clump all of these into one commercial. These, these companies that I work for behind the shell that is their logo and their product is a group of people who are passionate about the outdoors, right? Um, When I did that vortex week, podcast uh those set of podcasts for vortex weeks the people that i interviewed dude they they love the outdoors and they're very passionate about the outdoors and so when you have you know the guys over at tethered or the guys at hunt stand who are passionate absolutely passionate about this and that passion seeps into the products into the brand and it just makes the brand more wholesome it makes the brand more relatable because i know that when i call them they know that i'm serious they want to see me be successful in whatever endeavor i'm i'm using their products in and and so they want to give me the best customer feedback, the best product line, the best knowledge about all the products. So if you're looking for a good saddle, dude, you got to check out Tethered. If you're looking for a set of broadheads that are, in my opinion, some of the best on the market, Wasp Archery. If you're looking for the most popular hunting app, you got to check out hunt stand right and 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 the all the functionality that comes with hunt stand i'm using right now in my uh out of state hunting in my uh searching for new properties to hunt and lastly if you're looking for a rangefinder if you're looking for a spotting scope a, a set of binoculars and uh, rifle scopes red dots whatever you got to check out vortex optics all good people all good products and that's why i love using and listening and talking and, and just being a part of those, those brands. So go check it out. Okay. So I've, uh, I've made my money, right. And now we're going to talk about, (laughs) about, uh, what's been going on lately. All right. So here's the deal. Um, I, I wrote down this episode in bullet points, all the things that I wanted to talk about. And I put it on this little notepad. The first topic is kids, and I don't know, I need to vent about this because it's hard to vent in, so I don't have, like, I have, I'm going to, I'll put this out there. I have a handful of friends, and in this friends group, I only have, like, a couple friends that I talk to on the regular, and I mean, when I mean a couple, I mean one, and then everything out, and that's a guy that I went to elementary school with. I went to high school with, played sports with, hung out in college with, and I've been friends with ever since. And he lives close to me, so I I communicate with him every once in a while. And then I have my secondary, I don't want to say secondary, but a a second group of friends that's industry-related, right, that I talk to probably more than this. I've, uh, you know, built some great friendships, great relationships with these people, and I can call them and, and talk a little business and also talk a little bit about life and family and things like that. So I've, I've got this group of friends, but those guys don't necessarily want to hear me bitch about my kids. And my other buddy who I've known for the longest time only has a one-year-old. So he's not quite up to speed yet with the parenting situation that I'm in. And he only has one kid compared to my three. 
so lately in in our house, uh, first I'll I always bitch, but here's uh, here's on this episode I'm gonna talk. Uh, I'm gonna start it off with some positives. This summer, my oldest boy, he's he's a little. I'm just gonna gonna call him a little scaredy cat, right? He he's a not he's afraid of certain things. He's timid. He he's not a wild animal like my younger my younger boy, but he finally struck up the nerve and got on a got on his bicycle and took training wheels off earlier this summer. And so now he is very confident on a bicycle. We got him a new bike and he's running up and down the roads uh and he's he's loving his summer life now that he can ride his bike. My youngest boy saw that and now he he's only 4 and he's up on a bike and he's riding without training wheels. Awesome. Right. I love that. I, now we can go, we can go do more things. We can uh, go on bike rides as a family, even though I don't have a bicycle and nor do I want one. But when I say bike rides, my wife takes them on bike rides and I will sit in our golf cart and drive our <laughs> driver golf cart. I know that makes me sound like a piece of shit, but uh, I don't care what you think. <laughs> so uh, next activities, right? We are full-blown activity mode uh, right now, and this is the last week that uh, we have baseball games. And so now August is kind of activity-free. We're probably going to be doing some traveling in August, probably going to some fairs. Uh, We're going to be going on a couple uh, trips to some water parks and things like that. And so I'm really looking forward to that that the activities throughout the week are slowing down, but they're only slowing down for about two or three weeks. And then football starts and then dance starts and then school starts and then uh, soccer starts. And so here we get back into this, the the swing of things again. And the last thing I want to talk about, and this is where it kind of gets into a, you know, me complaining about my kids is ghost poopers. Now I, I know what you're thinking. What is a ghost pooper? Well, a ghost pooper is, you walk into the bathroom or my wife walks into the bathroom and there's a turd in, in the bathroom or there's like a whole bunch of toilet paper. And then the water is just about ready to come out of the stool. And so we've kind of identified who these, who these people are, right? We have the, the log, the log and like the, the poop and leave, which is, my youngest boy, he'll get on the toilet, he will poop, he will not flush, he will not wipe his butt, and he will not wash his hands. So there is legitimately fecal matter probably all over our house. We just, you know, the, the microscope, if they had a one of those black lights and came into our house, it'd just be covered in fecal matter. That's just uh, a, a guess of mine. I am, I am surprised that we have not yet in our house had pink eye. I just blows my, blows my mind. Right. So we have to go in we have to, okay, buddy, you have to flush the toilet and you have to wipe your butt and you have to wash your hands with soap. And so that's been like pulling teeth lately. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying hard over here. I'm, I, I'm repeating myself thousands of times. I feel like there's days where the first thing that I say when I wake up is shut the door. And the last thing I say when I go to bed is shut the door. I don't, I swear to God, those are, I say that specific phrase thousands of times a damn day. And I still have to repeat myself. I don't know. That's probably part of parenting, but from this, this poop 
this poop thing really frustrates my wife because, you know, she likes cleanliness. Like I'm a guy, I really don't care, flush the toilet. What gets me is the hand washing. Like then my, you know, my son walks out of the bathroom. Maybe I know it, maybe I don't. He comes up, gives me a hug and like slaps me in the face or we're wrestling. Meanwhile, there's fecal matter all over his hands. And now his fecal matter is all over, over my body. And so uh, we, we got to nip that in the butt. Then we have my oldest boy who he'll drop a deuce. He'll wipe his butt. He'll flush. We're sitting at about, I think he's pretty good at washing and going. But when he wipes his butt, he uses half of a damn roll of toilet paper and then stuffs it down in there and flushes it to the point where plunging it really doesn't even work. I got to stick my hand in the toilet, pull out all this toilet paper, pull it apart, flush like three times so it doesn't clog again and, uh, and, and, get everything down. Meanwhile, he's outside having fun. Now, I'm going to make him do it next time. I'm going to make him actually put his hand in there, pull the toilet paper out and do it himself. Hopefully he learns that as you grow up and it is a man's responsibility to flush after you deuce, you flush, then you wipe, then you flush. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are like, Jesus, man, you use a lot of water to take a crap. Don't care. I just don't like putting my hand in toilet water and pulling out toilet paper. None of this has anything to do with deer hunting per se. It doesn't at all, actually. I just thought, thought I'd share a little insight into what is going on in my in my life. And it's been pretty it's pretty pretty cool week at my house thus far. My daughter is up in Minnesota with her grandparents. There's a tradition in this family. When you turn nine, you get to go on a grandparent trip to Minnesota to go fishing and tubing and hang out on this lake. It's pretty fun. The kids have a blast. My daughter is there. There's been no drama in the house, really. The boys wrestle a little bit and they fight, but that's what boys do. We we joke around and we call my daughter the dark princess because <laughs> she does not take shit from anybody. She's like, she's like that Lord of the Rings character that... Uh, I don't know, or or medieval science fiction character that comes up out of some dungeon, steals your soul, and then goes back down. That's a little bit of her personality, but she's also sweet. So there's parts of me that are afraid of her. There's parts of me that uh, want to fight her, and then there's parts of me that also want to love her. And so that's my daughter, and she's gone this week, so it's been pretty laid back. When she gets back, I swear to God, there's going to be some kind of battle i feel like it's approaching right like more doors going to crack open and out it's going to pop my daughter and she's gonna lay waste to this household and let everybody know who's actually in charge but i love her uh she's my firstborn and it's like it's probably too late now to get rid of her and so we keep her around love her to death she's a she is a person. <laughs> so, so that is, that's the kid talk for today, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put a, I've talked about the training wheels. I've talked about activities. I've talked about poops. Let's move on to summer prep. All right. So summer prep, here's the deal with uh, summer prep. Uh, got my trail cameras out. Finally, after what is it? After four reschedules, uh, this shit was supposed to be done in June or excuse me, May. 
I, uh, I wanted to put mineral out like I always do every year and get a, a really good inventory out this year, zero mineral out, man. I, I got, I just feel like, I don't know. I, I, I gotta just get my ass in gear and just go do it. But I've hired somebody new here on the network for some part-time work. So it frees me up to do some expansion and growth of the company and be, and do what a, I guess a boss or an owner is supposed to do and not just this data entry stuff that I've been doing. So I got that off my plate, but I didn't get that off my plate until late June. And so since the, the transition of this guy doing all this work, I, I've been kind of slacking in other areas, and that's definitely one of them. All right. So finally got my trail cameras out this last year, got some cell cams out, got my uh, got some cell cams out, got some regular cameras out that I probably won't check until the until I go in and hunt quite frankly, um, depending on if I'm down there for any specific reason, I'll probably, uh, if, if I have some cameras that are close, if I'm having some problems with some, tri- uh, cell cams, I'll go out and fix them, adjust them as needed, but I'm not going into any of these properties until it's, it's game time now. And so I will, when I go in, uh, or let's just say, uh, the day I get down to the farm, I'll check trail cameras I'll see what deer are in the area. And once I start seeing the, you know, the deer movement, then that's how I make my plans. That's exactly what I did this last year. And it worked with somewhat of uh, minimal prep because uh, I know the properties so well. All right. So the cameras are up, they're soaking, they're getting Intel. And as of right now, after a week, Usually it doesn't happen this way. And I brag about this all the time on, on the podcast is the farm that I hunt holds great deer during the summer months, not happening this year based off of one week of cell cam Intel. I have cell cams in some really good high traveled areas and bean fields and things like that, where over historically they should show up nothing this year, nothing. Got some pictures of some coyotes in the past. I've gotten those as well. Doesn't really play a a huge role in the, you know, in in what's going down on the farm. Coyotes don't, in in my opinion. But, man, I just don't know what's going on the past couple years. Uh, Every year, there's still big deer that show up, but but not the number of them and not as consistent as, as in the past. So it's going to be another one of those years until I guess I got to just, I got to, I got to be patient. And that's hard for me, especially when you start to get fired up, you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through Facebook and you start seeing like all your buddies posting, Hey, here's my farm. Here's, you know, the, the velvet picks. I have to learn to ignore that shit. And that part, part of the reason why I, I named this, um, podcast zero fucks for bigger bucks is because you do have to ignore that you you have to give absolute you can't care at all about what other people are posting about what other people are are thinking or saying because that doesn't impact the properties and and the the farms and the public or whatever that you hunt so you got to do all that work yourself you can't care what anybody else is saying or what anybody else is doing it's awesome to give you know insight and say hey that's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, you shot a big deer. 
but at the, in the grand scheme of things, that does not hurt or help you in, in any way. So you, you, you have to take it with a grain of salt, maybe absorb some of the principles of what these people have done, even me, right? I, that's why I, I try not to give strategy on like, I like to talk about my experiences. I like to talk with other people about how they're successful, but I don't like to force feed like five tips to get bigger bucks because I'll tell you right now, you go into any type of scenario and maybe two, only two of those tips will work for you or one of those tips will work for you. And the rest of them are, are, can't be, those principles can't be uh, transformed over to the, the properties that you hunt. So you really do have to, you know, do all the work yourself. So cameras are out. All right. They're soaking stand locations. In the past, I have had my, uh, tree stands. I'll, I'll throw a couple tree stands up every year. All right. And, and I don't hunt them. Because I end up running and gunning and going into new locations. This past year was a perfect example. I had a tree stand hung uh, in in a historically good rut spot. I went in there. I checked trail cameras. Uh, I checked trail camera in another spot. It allowed me tr- to triangulate the position of the deer that I uh, wanted to shoot. That night I went in, hung did a running gun, hung the tree stand. What do you know? Dead deer, right? So every year from a tree stand perspective, I'm doing less and less prep work, man. I'm doing, I'm doing way less, less and less every single year. And so it, that, that type of prep has not affected my success in the future. It might, or if I pick up some new farms, because I'm going to get into losing a, a property next. But I just feel like from a run and gun standpoint, I've become efficient enough to get into certain areas uh, with low uh, with low impact and and set up and and have success. And a lot of the times, what I'll do is, especially if it's a private farm, if it's public. I may leave the stand up if I'm coming back to it the next day, but more than likely I'm, I'm setting it up, tearing it down and then moving on. But if it's on a private piece, I'll leave the stand up, the sticks and the hang on. Uh, or in this, this year's case, you know, I'll be hunting with a, a saddle in, in certain scenarios. I'll, I'll be able to leave the sticks up, the platform up and then come back, come back when the conditions are right. So, we'll see how it all plays out. I, you know, I, I'd like to, I'd like to say I, I'm ready to go and, and all my tree stands are up, but they're not. And they won't be, um, uh, because I'm, I'm mobile. I go to where the action is and, and, uh, I've learned that you're just kind of wasting your time if you're putting up a ton of tree stands and trying to be a mobile hunter at the same time, right? Because then at the end of the season, you got to take way more tree, uh, tree stands down. It's best to, be able to put one tree stand up and take one tree stand down. And that's, I guess that's kind of why I, I, uh, I like being mobile, I guess that's part of it anyway. All right. So, so if you've watched on Instagram and, and, uh, or have listened to, I'd say the last three or four podcasts that I put out, you'll know that the property that I hunt closest to my home the private ground that i got access to is now officially up for sale 
they are selling it. The The father has passed away. The owner of the, the ground has passed away. There's four siblings and they're, they're selling it right, right away. This means that I have to go in. I have three trail cam, three tree stands up and I have one or two trail cameras up. I believe it's just one. And so it's time for me to uh, go and take that down. So uh, they, they said, hey, we're selling the property. More than likely, you're not going to be able to hunt out there this year. Um, the people who are buying it are, are more than likely who are going to buy it are hunters. And so they are, uh, they're probably going to hunt it and you'll have to go in and take your stuff down. I said, okay, I'll, I'll get my stuff out right away. I'd like to get that done sooner rather than later. So I have all these, all the equipment to go put in other places if I do land. And they said, well, just not so fast. And I was like, why? Well, I just, for safety reasons, I don't want you out there quite yet because the current renter of their farmhouse on there where their dad lived before he had to go into a nursing home is batshit crazy and so this dude who's out there um one of the landowner's sons went and said hey man just to let you know uh we're going to be selling the property blah 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 the dude pulled a gun on him come to find out he pulled a gun on another guy there too and so we got this lunatic over at this farmhouse where i park my truck to go into the timber and they're like, just hold on. We're going to have to get an attorney, probably going to have to get a cop out there to get this guy out of the house, get him packed up and gone. And and before we transition into the sale, we're going to tell the new owners that, you know, we would really appreciate it if we could get the guys who have their stuff out there. And so they, they've explained the circumstance here. And so I got to wait just a little bit because God forbid I get shot right before the season starts. You know, getting shot and dying would suck, but uh, but getting shot in the leg and not being able to hunt would also suck uh, a lot too. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna avoid that property for a little bit. Now here's the shit the shitty part. This is no joke. This is no joke. So me and my boys, we've been going on nighttime or uh, evening drives. Get out the vortex uh, binoculars, and we we're going and we're looking for velvet deer. You know and my boys really get a kick out of counting, all right? Oh, I did. I, I counted 40. I counted 30, you know? And, and so la- the last time we went, we counted 40, and which broke the previous record of 32. And so the first time we went, neighboring property to the west, and I think I posted it, real long, real long um, brow tine that kind of curved over top. I'm talking a 12-inch brow tine. This thing was gigantic. Great rack. I'm guessing high 160s, low you know, Boone and Crockett caliber whitetail out in this field. We got, we, we had the ability to look at it for a while through the binoculars. I took some pictures of it. Gorgeous whitetail. The next drive right across the street where this buck probably was getting ready to cross into the bean field on this property that I, that I currently have access to giant, definitely a 170, probably in the 175 class. Once he's done growing, gorgeous whitetail split brow tines i mean we're talking 20 plus inside spread the the mass on this deer was ridiculous body size was gigantic i mean enough to get you hard and so 
anyway, this guy, so I'm sitting there just, just pissed that I lost this property. So now my goal is to knock on some doors around the property, the area. I know that I already know the answer. I feel like I'm going to be wasting my time. But as we all know, if you don't try, if you don't swing for the fences, you can't ever hit a home run. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. I just got to plan the right time to go and do it. All right. So the property's lost. If I want to hunt around here, it's going to have to be on public uh, or on, or I land another property. I have some, I have some other options that I have a family friend. They have 10 acres, but they also have dogs. And so I outside dogs. So I don't know how that's going to work, but it's in a fairly, it's in a fairly good spot. So uh, I might go and put some trail cameras up and, and kind of see what, uh, see what they got going on on that farm could, could be awesome. So, uh, lost the property bullet point. Now expectations for this upcoming season. This is where it gets a little crazy because like I've realized there's some people out there's obviously all a whole bunch of different types of hunters, right? We have the big antler guys. They want to go for the mature bucks and the big antlers, right? Kudos to them. Awesome. When it comes to out of, and this is for out of state, I know guys who are only looking for big deer, even on public land. And so they're passing deer that I would shoot in a heartbeat. And so on my out of state hunts, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to establish some expectations. Uh, I, I, I'm, I want a mule deer really bad. And so I, I feel like a sliding scale is going to be the best possible thing for me to do on day one my my goal my expectation might be different than day two and day two might be different than day three and day three might be different than day four and I am okay with going out and shooting a legal animal and on some of these out-of-state trips because really ultimately what I'm I'm doing is I am in the process on out-of-state hunts where I'm collecting data and I am collecting where deer are, where good caliber deer are. And I'm, I'm just bouncing around collecting intel over the past handful of years. And as you will find out and talking to some of these guys who have been going on out-of-state hunts for 10, 15 years, they've established that. They know where to go. They know how deer move in this new terrain. Just like if I was to go to my Iowa farm that I have access to. I know that farm. I've been hunting there for 15 years now. I know how deer move. I, I don't have to put a lot of time and energy into it. I get to bounce around to where they're at. And, and then, you know, I, I get my shop, shot opportunities. But I the first handful of years, you really don't know that. So I had to, uh, I, I'm in that process right now with my out-of-state hunts in South Dakota, in, in Nebraska. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to Oklahoma this year. Maybe Missouri if uh, I, I fill some tags fast. And so I'm not 100% sure if I want to give myself any type of expectations right away or, or set any type of goals, I want to go out there. I want to evaluate the landscape. I want to evaluate the deer herd and I want to evaluate the weather. There's so many things that come into play when you're actually out in the environment that you're hunting in, that things could change, you know, like a wildfire could pop up or a, I don't know, uh, a rainstorm could come in and soak you for three days and, and limit your access down certain roads or, or f- creeks could flood and you can't cross, like all these things, right? So I like the sliding scale method to where 
I can go out and I can try to get some kind of, I don't know, just something that makes me happy. And I've, I've realized that what makes me happy lately is is anything really. I mean, I'll be honest. If you, if you go to a property that you've never been to before, I'm looking at my deer from two, uh, last year when I shot my, my whitetail buck in South Dakota, I'm looking at it right now. That was a one day on that farm deer or on that, uh, on that piece of public on that property. And I'll tell you right now that, that, that made me happy. That was a success. That's not easy to do is to, to evaluate something and get it done on day one. And so for me, that, that's what makes me happy. That to me is success. And I'm going to try to duplicate that again. And, but realistically knowing that that doesn't happen a lot. So for me out of state on property that I'm, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with, my goal is to just get in shooting range and get in contact and, and see deer and know how they move through the landscape and try to find a cycle of their movement and, and put that in play. And whatever happens kind of happens after that. If it's a big fat buck, awesome. If it's a, a legal deer that has six inch spikes, awesome too, right? So for me, the expectations are, are there are no expectations. I really just want to go out, have fun. And that's the kind of stage, that's the stage that I'm in right now. All right. I'm not trying to be the best at anything. I just want to have fun and I want to have this experience. And I, I want to look at this other, I want to look at this deer and hopefully other deer put it on my wall. I got this Euro mount from South Dakota on my wall. I want to look at that and go, dude, that was so much fun. I want to, and then next year when I get the Euro mount back, if I get another buck or whatever, I want to look at this and go, dude, that was awesome. And then look at the next one, dude, that was awesome. And then you, you just, you look at it and you look at it and, and really what these mounts are, in my opinion, are just a, a doorway to a memory that, and for the price of the tag, for the price of gas and all that shit, it's, it's worth it to me. And so, uh, antler size really doesn't matter. Of course, I'm going to chase a big buck if it's, if he's there, but if not, you know, he's not. So the expectations, now here's here's the thing, here's one of the reasons why I named this episode "Giving Zero Fucks for Bigger Bucks," because, dude, ever since I've shed all this, like, I feel like people are overthinking deer hunting, especially whitetail hunting. I think people are really overthinking it, and when I when I was able to look at a scenario and go, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about this. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't, I don't give a fuck. And if something bad happens to me, you say, I don't give a fuck. And you go, you go into the next one. And I'm sorry for swearing a lot, but the point here is, is that you can't control certain scenarios. And it's, so it's not worth getting mad at the, the other thing is, is that, um, there's a whole bunch of things like, I don't know, gear is obviously a hot topic that people like for me, I just, I've, certain gear. I I like to go with what makes me comfortable and confident. And I don't worry about what anybody else is doing. On top of that, when people start talking about strategy, I've already mentioned that in this episode, the strategy of, Hey man, if you want to find success, you got to do it like so-and-so does it, or you got to do it like so-and-so does it. Dude, I don't give a shit what, how other people hunt. It's cool. It's awesome. But how does that, how does that impact me? They're hunting different places than me. 
again, I always say the principles, right? So when someone, for example, when someone talks about mule deer and we're mule deer bed throughout a day, I'm listening. I can take that principle and I can apply it to, I, I hopefully I can apply it, but if it doesn't work, I can go, you know, I can go on to the next thing and I can use principles from what I've heard other people talk about. And so when, when, especially when it comes to certain people, and this is, this is what kind of frustrates me when they say so-and-so is the best deer hunter in the world. No, they're not right. They're, they're probably not the best deer hunter in the world, right? They've manipulated certain things into their favor throughout the years or they're really good, but they're only good in that environment or they're good in uh, this environment. You, you don't hunt that environment. So why should you care? Right? I don't give a shit. Right? So in order to, I, I feel like in order to find out what kind of hunter you are, and a lot of this just is, you know, bow hunting because really anybody can can get behind a rifle and shoot a deer at 400 yards you got to find them first obviously you got to get them within 400 yards but i'm talking like for me i don't gun hunt as of right now i'm a bow hunter and so the strategy is like things that i've put together over time through success through failure through all that stuff so it, it may sound arrogant but i i honestly if my buddy shoots a buck or I see someone shoot a deer of any caliber, dude, awesome. Congratulations. Good job. But I don't give a shit on how it really plays out from a strategy standpoint. I want to hear the story because the story is why we all do it. But from a strategy standpoint, I could care less because it like, I'm not trying to get information out of them. And I know, I think I'm, I'm coming off a little wrong on, on how I'm saying this, but Again, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so so um, I hope that makes sense, right? I'm not trying to come off arrogant or anything, but a lot of people, like, I think they look to the heavens for answers and it might be okay to do that. But when you're actually looking for solid, like, intel, you have to get all that stuff yourself. And, and so... I feel like one way to do that is to not give a shit what anybody else says, what anybody else thinks, what any like what any news like articles telling you, what any podcast is telling you. And here I am telling you not to take like here I'm telling you to listen to my podcast, but don't take what people say. Pull the principles out of it. Implement that into your own method and then attack with your own method. And I think that's what's going to make you a successful hunter. That is what's going to make you find success and refine that, refine that, refine that. And then what's going to happen is you'll get a year or two of success. And then maybe you'll hit a failure point. And then you'll say, uh-uh, I've, I've seen this before. You flip the script, you imply your own method again, and there you are within shooting range of another deer. And so that is, that's what I'm trying to uh, get at. And eventually what that will do, it, it will lead to more encounters. You'll be able to jump up in scale and you say, okay, I've, I've shot enough spikes, unless you're trying to fill your freezer or whatever. I've shot enough spikes. I'm going to try for a forky. Shot enough forkies. All right, now it's time to, to look for something with, uh, you know, a, a six pointer or uh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to start looking at age class, whatever you want. 
And then you define success that way and you jump up and you jump up and you take bigger risks or, or maybe it's not that it's maybe it's, I want to kill two spikes in one year, or maybe it's, I want to fill my freezer this year, or maybe it's, uh, I want to shoot uh, a spike out of state, or I want to go to a different terrain feature and learn how the thermals and all that stuff work in there. And that just snowballs and that all that comes on. It, it just, I don't know, man. I get hyped when I when I start to think about how I approach a season because you're always calculating. It becomes more less thought, more reaction over time. And once you hit that point, then it's just like autopilot. And that's where I'm at in my hunting career right now, where it, it's it's turned into becoming autopilot. And I love that feeling because every year I over-evaluate an area less and less and less because I know how deer move. I know how the thermals work in certain areas. I know how ther- thermals work in general. I know whereabouts deer move on terrain features, you know, not to skyline themselves, but not the very bottom, how they try to hit the thermal in the, the predominant wind direction, all that stuff. And so that gets me hyped up. And uh, I've, I've learned that through my own experiences, not f- through someone else's experience. So Strongly recommend trying to implement that approach. Here I am trying to t- tell you to do something now, but implement that approach onto the properties that you hunt and and your strategy. And I think, I think you'll be surprised, man, because you can you're better you're better at hunting on your property than I am or or anybody else is for that matter. So, uh, yeah, go go do that. And I think we're good. I've, I've literally been rambling for forty minutes now. I'm really excited to uh, get this season underway. Oh, the other thing that I'm starting to do right now is shoot my bow, shoot my bow, shoot my bow, shoot my bow. I didn't get a new bow this year by choice because I want to just get right into it. I want to, I'm not even shooting field points right now. I'm shooting broadheads and I'm shooting broadheads and I'm shooting broadheads. I am totally destroying my target, but guess what? My, I'm already on. My, my, my broadheads are already on target. They're on point. And so it's just a matter of shooting some arrows every day and getting ready, get that muscle memory built up and, and getting confident in your shot at, you know, the, the distances that I want to be comfortable at, which is going to probably be 50, 60 yards out West and hopefully within 20 yards again in Iowa and, uh, just shoot and shoot and shoot, start getting ready for the season. Make sure all my tags are accurate. I'm thinking about picking up another tag yet today. And, uh, I don't know, man, I'm getting freaking jacked for this upcoming season because I know that not only are all my brownie points, like my brownie points are good this year. Like they're really good. And (laughs) this is going to sound bad, but I'm going like, I'm going full bore this year. And, uh, my wife may not know this yet, but she's going to have to handle it, right? She's just going to have to handle it. I'm going to go and, uh, I, I, I have everything. I'm going to have everything taken care of so that their life is easy when I'm gone. It's all going to be taken care of. Also, uh, the brownie points are going to go. And so it may be tough for her for a little bit, but the entire year I've done nothing. I'm not joking. I've done nothing but prepare for me being gone, right? Again, I don't go to I don't go to comic book conventions. I don't play softball. I don't go to the bar. I get ready for what I love, and that is deer hunting. So, mic drop, boom, whatever you want to do. I love you guys. 
good vibes, man. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end on this, right? The world is a crazy, crazy place, and it, it even touches base in Iowa, right? Things. I mean, Iowa's crazy. I mean, shit. People are getting shot in every state. Uh, people are getting stabbed, and, and bad things are happening to people all over the world, right? But I'm telling you right now. It is a good thing to have a positive energy, a a positive vibe about you. And sometimes, even if you have to fake that vibe, right? And just say, dude, it's a, it's, it's a bad day right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to walk on the positive side of the line and uh, I'm not going to let this negative influence maybe you get from the news or from social media or from other people influence me. I'm going to, I'm going to eat the shit sandwich. I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. And once the shit sandwich is done and your breath smells like shit, you're going to actually feel better about yourself because you've toughed it out. And guess what? You're probably going to spread that positive energy on someone else and they're going to walk away less negative, less sad, more happy in turn going to somebody else. And it's just a a snowball effect, man. And and I truly believe that. And I hope all of you guys find success this season and uh, you have a positive day and you have a pot. I don't know. I'm getting old and I'm not, I'm not as rowdy as I used to be. I'm kind of turning into a softy of sorts, but uh, I honestly, honestly wish that all of you guys find the success that you desire out in the woods, whether that's hunting with a kid for the first time, whether that's a f- your first deer ever, whether that's the biggest buck of your life, whether it's the oldest deer of your life, whether it's filling the freezer, whether that's learning how to become a better uh, cook, uh, venison cook or turkey cook or wild game cook, whether it's whatever you're trying to accomplish in life, dude, it's right in front of you. All you got to do is go get it. And I'm a perfect example of that. A perfect example struggled struggle 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 opening took advantage of that grinded my ass off i was joking the other day that i started in a closet in a nursery of my of my son when he was born in 2014 is when uh, my son was 15 was my son was born and i started the nine finger chronicles in 14 i don't know how many episodes i put out in that in that closet but that built the network and now the network this and i I don't mean this to brag at all but now i'm making more money than probably my boss's boss at my old job and so when i when i think that i think that you divide that then but if you divide it over the years that i've put into this the issue is it's still not good money. It's still not very good money throughout all of the years. But now the hard work putting into something that I truly love. Dude, I love talking with each and every one of you guys on this podcast. And I love the communication through the uh, social media and through emails. And so when someone sends me an email... And they're like, hey, dude, check out this buck I shot. I don't give a shit how big this buck is. It, it, it is awesome to see her. Hey, I took my daughter out for the first hunt and she killed this doe. Awesome. I get jacked up about that stuff because that's a perfect example of positive energy coming to me. And now it's, now it's made me more positive and it jacks me up. So, um, 
yeah, dude. Thank, thanks to each and every one of you. Thanks to Tethered Wasp. Thanks to Hunt Stand. Thanks to Vortex. Um, huge shout out to all of the partners of the network and the, the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Hunting Gear Podcast. Really appreciate all of that. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness. And dudes and dudettes, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.